The Power of Sound, a Monocle 24 collaboration with KEF. Chris Watson and I'm a sound recordist. I think I probably first became interested in sound when my parents bought me a tape recorder, which is a very long time ago now. I was probably 12 or 13. This astonishing gift, it was um, a portable reel-to-reel tape recorder, which I still have in my studio, reminds me every time I'm up there where I started and um, like I said I was either 12 or 13 something like that but I got this machine and it literally introduced me to another world another dimension recording and playing back and listening to sound in really which for me you know as an early teenager was really a unique opportunity and, and from which I discovered the creative potential about what you could do with, with quarter-inch tape, this idea of sculpting, working with a very tactile medium, which you can play backwards and uh, cut up into pieces and play at different speeds. And so I got totally fascinated and engaged in this, which for me was this new world of sound. And I started recording outside and I realised it had batteries in it so I could take it outside. And I put a microphone on our bird table in my parents' house on the edge of Sheffield. it back in and played it back. I mean, I like to think I can remember that moment where I was transported into another world, a place where we can never be because our behaviour would modify what was happening there. And I heard the close-up contact calls of blue tits and wrens and robins and blackbirds and chaffinches and those intimate communications. So I was taken to a place sonically a different world, a place that we could look into. I could see through the kitchen window what was happening, but I couldn't hear it, which was my original idea of taking the microphone and tape recorder outside. But being transported on tape back to that moment was unique because of then, of course, you could time shift it. You play it back any time. You could relive that moment, that experience, and that was such a beautiful thing for me and it's just a remarkable moment I value that experience of of listening over most everything else and so it's still very special to me the best way that I can engage with the world is, is simply to um, is simply to listen 
and the older I get, the less I record and the more I listen. You know, I've recorded so much rubbish that I don't need to get any more. So I'm very careful now about pressing record. I used to record everything and then spend a lot of time listening to it back in post-production and a lot of the time be really unsatisfied by it. So now I just like the act of listening um, and tuning into places. And then subsequently I make the choice whether to record or not. And at my stage and at my age, then that's that's less often these days. I'm very careful now about pressing record. It's quite a, a precious act for me. <laughs> recording these days it's I don't regard every recording I made as important or significant it can be very ordinary you know I've been recording in my back garden as well here in Newcastle last night I got this fantastic recording of one of our resident hedgehogs sort of shaking its bristles and a very close perspective recording which was unexpected but really beautiful unique sound actually first time I've ever heard it let alone recorded it So that becomes a special moment, so I wasn't intending on, on, on capturing it. I think it's just that sense of, when, when I go out, I try to be sort of focused, and so everything's then special, because we, it's, it's like the difference between hearing everything and listening. In our environment, in our world, we hear everything, but we rarely get the opportunity to really listen and engage. And that's what I enjoy doing when I go out. You know, I change my focus because, um, I mean, we don't have earlids. We can't not hear. We are all evolved from very good listeners. That's why we're here. 40,000 years ago, when we were all living together in caves in Lascaux or New Mexico or around Asia or in Australia, those of our relatives that heard a pack of spotted hyenas or a saber-toothed tiger creep into the cave at night looking for a meal. We have evolved from those people that heard those animals approach and escaped out of the back of the cave. The people that didn't hear those animals approaching haven't evolved to appear on your programme. Headphones on, no one else can hear the world like you can. It's a unique, intimate experience. And I, I, I love that, I value that, it's very precious to me. But I also like the broadcast of those sounds in its widest sense, whether it's on a CD or a radio program or in front of an audience. Good. 
Our, our world's constantly changing and our acoustic environments are constantly changing. We're losing animals at a greater rate than ever before, so the sounds of some animals are disappearing. I remember the golden frog in Panama, which was the, I think it's, it was still the national symbol of Panama, an animal that became extinct during the process of making a film there. But we're in a constantly changing environment and some of that, a lot of that can't be stopped. It's not progress, it's just a change. The birdsong in my garden has evolved in the 20 years, 20 odd years I've been living here. But that's a natural part of the process as the climate changes as the weather conditions change as animal migration moves the sounds of places evolve alongside with that Quite a few years ago now I was working on a BBC series called Big Cat Diary which was about cats in East Africa, in the Maasai Mara, sort of lions, leopards and cheetahs. And um, I was working with a camerawoman and she could fill the frame with one of these animals' eyes with her 50,000 euro Canon telephoto lens from 100 metres away. There is no audio equivalent of that. And I thought about how I could get some sounds in super close-up to match her close-up photography and that's when I decided to use personal microphones the microphones like the one I'm wearing now to speak to you because they're very small visually not very intrusive and that's what they're designed for so I thought then you know there's much more interesting places to put these microphones rather than on people uh, and so I ended up fixing two of these microphones inside a zebra carcass and then running a very long cable back and waiting for the vultures to come down, which Justine could film beautifully on her Canon lens and get super close-ups. And I could then record super close-up sound. And the interesting thing about that is that listening and looking to that film back, the pictures became redundant. I mean, there's a saying that radio's better than television because the pictures are better. And of course, what sound does is fire our imaginations in quite a unique way. And the intensity of the sounds around that zebra carcass with the vultures feeding on it defied any two-dimensional visual image. Uh, and it, it burns like a lot of the best sounds. It's very visceral and it burns directly into our hearts and imaginations. That's how powerful sound is. There's one sound I have been after looking for, trying to record, 
for a very long time. And that's the song of the largest and loudest animal which has ever lived, which is the blue whale. And it so far eluded me. So that's um, certainly on top of my wish list. Although generally I'm not really goal oriented. I just really enjoy, yeah, I enjoy recording the hedgehogs in our back garden as much as I enjoy recording blue whales in the Sea of Cortez. There's, there's really so much to listen for and get pleasure listening to. Mm-hmm.